invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be starting in verse 13. And we'll read down through verse 18. I want to title the message this morning, The Will of God in Your Suffering. The Will of God in Your Suffering. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Let's pray. Our Father, we indeed believe that our only boast is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And Father, we have no glory of our own. Father, we, there's nothing that we can, we can stand before you this morning and say, because we have done this, therefore you love us. Father, you love us simply because you chose to love us, because Christ has redeemed us from our sins, and because the Holy Spirit has shed abroad your love in our hearts that we cry out to you as our Father. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our elder brother. We thank you for the work that he has done on the cross. And Father, I do pray that you would keep us near that cross daily. Father, as we try to live a life that honors you, that pleases you, that's obedient to your word, even in the midst of suffering for doing what's right, help us to stay near that cross of Christ. And may Jesus Christ be our example of faithfulness to you, even in the darkest of hours. Father, use your word this morning as only you can. Give us your spirit that we might behold these things that you are teaching us this morning. Father, glorify yourself through this word. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The will of God in your suffering. This is an important passage in the book of 1 Peter. And so I actually want to preach at least two messages from this text. And I want today to be an overview of this text. Um, but it's so important when we look at who Peter is writing to and the message that he is conveying through the Holy Spirit to them. They are a people, they are a church who is undergoing severe persecution and they are undergoing suffering for doing what's right. So this message is very important to them. It was very important to them in the time that they were living. But every church and every believer throughout the ages of time and throughout the ages of the world has, on, has undergone suffering for doing what's right. So this is nothing new, and it's nothing that, that would go away, and it's very relevant today because you and I, if we are doing what's right, if we are being obedient to the Word of God, 
if we are believing and trusting in his promises and, and asking him to help us live those out in our life, we too are going to suffer for what's doing right. Now, if you do what's wrong, you're going to suffer for doing wrong. But if you do what's right, you're going to suffer for doing what's right. And we need to be resolved to this. So just as a way of introduction into this text, and, and as we have an overview of this text today, we want to be reminded of who Peter is writing to, because this is very important, understanding this passage and then being able to apply it into our own life. So remember, when he started out this letter, he said in chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Peter is writing to a group of Christians, a group of believers that have been scattered abroad because of persecution, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because they are doing what is right. They are suffering for it. And so we need to remember that as we read these words today. These are, a, these are believers whom he was writing to who are undergoing severe suffering for their faith. And this is a word of encouragement to them. He's already been writing and speaking words of encouragement throughout this whole letter. But I think he gets here and he speaks specifically to their suffering and, and encourages them in this. Remember what he said in chapter 1 and in verse 6. He said, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Manifold trials. Manifold sufferings. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He's encouraging them. Look, you're going through suffering for a time, for a season. He says, but it's for a reason, it's for a purpose, that you might be found to honor and glory and praise at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your suffering is not in vain. Therefore, he says, you can greatly rejoice even though you are suffering these manifold temptations. And then in chapter 2, and in verse 19, he says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. This is praiseworthy to God. This glorifies God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. When we're talking about the will of God in suffering for your life, we're talking about that this was the will of God in the life of his son, Jesus Christ. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He, he, was, he, was, uh, he was not esteemed by man. And in fact, he, it was that he was stricken of God, Isaiah 53 says. 
And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He lived a life of doing what is right and suffering for it. But showing us that there was great joy even in the midst of that suffering. And so he encourages them that you were called to this. This is your calling. And I want to remind you of that again today as we look at this text and as we continue to look at this in Peter. This is your calling. Do not hide from the fact that because of your faith, because you are doing what's right, because you are trying to live by the principles of this word, that you are going to suffer for it. Embrace it, accept it, and own it. Because we, as we see in our text today, it is the will of God that we suffer for doing good rather than for doing evil. There are many people in the world who are suffering because they are doing what's wrong. They are doing what is evil. They are doing what is according to the lust of their flesh and what pleases them, and they have no desire to honor God. And they are suffering as a result of that, as he says in our text. But we should be reminded that we are called to this and that they were called to this And then he goes on after this text and begins to talk about submission to God. If we're going to have joy in our trials, if you're going to have joy in the midst of your suffering, if you're going to accept the will of God that it's better for you to suffer for doing what's right than for evil, you're going to have to submit to God. You're going to have to submit to his will in your life. You're going to have to pray as Jesus did in the garden, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Oh, if at all all possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. And we can pray that same thing when we're suffering for doing what's right and it hurts. We can pray that same thing. Lord, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. And so he goes on to talk about how servants said, well, we should all submit to all God-ordained authority in our life. And then servants should submit to their masters as unto the Lord. And a wife should submit to her husband as unto Christ. And a husband should submit to Christ in the way that they honor their wife. And then we looked at last time how the whole church should be submitting one to another in Christ-like submission. In the way that we love one another. In the way that we submit to one another. In the way that we prefer one another. In the way that, that your pain becomes my pain. Your grief becomes my grief. Your joy becomes my joy. That's how we submit to the Lord in Christ-like submission. And remember how he ended that section. And this is very important as we go into the text that we're looking at this morning. This is the context. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. He said, all of this that we should do as a church in Christ-like submission... He said, this, this, is this, this is the encouragement for you to do it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. You can do this because if you're doing what's right and you're seeking to honor Christ, then God's eye of favor, his eye of love, his eye of grace, this, when it speaks of the, his face here, it's speaking of his countenance. His disposition toward you. And it says if you're doing what's right and if you're believing in him, it says his eyes are over you, looking over you. And his ears are open into your prayers. So not only is he watching out for you and not only his eyes of favor and love over you, but he hears you as you cry out to him in faith, in prayer. His eyes are over 
the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. If you're doing what's wrong, if you're doing what is evil, God's face is going to be against you. His favor is going to be against you. And so this is the context of him going on to say that as he begins to speak about suffering, remember this. Remember that the eyes of the Lord are over you and his ears are open unto your prayers. And so as we look at this text this morning, this is what I think we want to see. God's will in your, I'm sorry, God's will is that you suffer for what's doing right. In a way that honors Christ. God's will is that you suffer. For doing what is right. In a way that honors Christ. And for not doing what's wrong. That is God's will for his church. For his people. For you. And so if you have chosen to do what's right. Be willing to suffer. For it. And know that. You should do it in a way. That honors Christ. So this is what we'll look at this morning. Number one, God's protection in your suffering. God's protection in your suffering. Number two, God's pleasure or joy in your suffering. Number three, God's purpose in your suffering. And number four, God's provision in your suffering. So number one, God's protection in your suffering. Aren't you glad this morning that God just hasn't left his people alone? That he hadn't just left his church alone and says, you just figure it out. You're going to go through suffering. You're going to be persecuted for your faith. You're going to be wronged for doing what's right. You're going to be called all kind of names. But I'm just a God who's distant and I'll all work it out in the end. But you're just on your own right now. Aren't you glad that's not the way that it is? But that actively and presently now, he cares for his church throughout the whole world who is undergoing suffering for doing what's right. And this is what Peter encourages with them. He says, after saying the eyes of the Lord are over you and his ears are open unto your prayers, he says, who is he that can harm you? Who is he that can harm you? So there's two ideas here. First of all, that if we are doing what's right and our way pleases the Lord, what really can man do unto us in his persecuting us? Right? I think Andrew said this while he was here. The worst thing thing that man can do is take your life and that would actually be the best thing that he could do because it would deliver you from your sinful nature it would deliver you from the sin cursed earth and it would take you straight into the arms of christ who is he that can harm you paul said it this way in romans who can lay anything to the charge of god's elect if god's not doing it if christ is not doing it If the Holy Spirit is not doing it, who can lay anything to your charge? Who is it that can harm you? Now, can they harm your body? Yes. Can they come after you in your homes? Can they come after your wealth? Can they come after your jobs? Yes. We've seen it happening. We've seen it happening already to people in Canada and even in the United States some. And I think it will continue to happen more and more as people people accept evil as good and good as evil. But this is your encouragement this morning that if you continue to do what's right and you're seeking to glorify Christ, who is he that can harm you? 
because God is for you. Remember, his eyes are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. If God be for you, who can be against you? You need to remind yourself of that as you're going through the suffering and it's hard and you're saying, why is this happening to me? Why does this have to happen to me? I'm just trying to do what's right. I'm, I'm trying to be a peacemaker. I'm trying to, to love others as Christ has loved me, but yet I'm suffering for it. Remember, who is he that can harm you? God protects his people. God protects you. His arms of protection are over you. His ears are open unto your prayers. He has given you his spirit that you might be able to cry out to him, that you might have his presence always with you. Remember the encouraging word that Jesus gave to his disciples as he said he was going to leave and ascend to the Father. Yet he said, I will send you another. I will send you a comforter, right? One who comes alongside of you and is with you, that comforts you, that strengthens you, and that guides you. Yes, throughout every day of your life, but specifically as he was telling them that they were going to suffer persecution. He said, remember, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. So it's God's protection in our suffering that helps us to be able to accept his, that it's his will that we suffer and that we can continue to do what's right even in the midst of this. Who is he that will harm you? The other idea here is not only that, but it's also the idea that if you are doing what's right, if you are seeking to please the Lord, then there shouldn't be too many people who are wanting to harm you. It's really those who are doing wrong. It's really those that are doing evil. It's really those that are, that are selfish and doing things for their own selfish desires. Those are the ones usually that are getting into trouble and that are becoming harmed. So there's also idea in this that if you're doing what's right, if you're doing what's right and seeking to honor Christ, a lot of times, there are not those who will be seeking to harm you. Who is he that will harm you? What does he go on to say? Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? So there's those two ideas in there. One is that who really can harm you if you're doing that which is good? Because God, God is your protection. God will not allow anything to happen to you that is outside of his plan, obviously. Romans 8, 28, he works all things together for good to those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. So there's nothing that's going to happen to you that's outside of God's purpose and plan. But also, if you are following that which is good, and the idea here in this following is one who is zealous of doing what is right. So it's not one who has just a rogue obedience to do what is right, but it is one who is zealous and passionate for obedience to Christ. If you are one who is zealous for doing what is right and obeying God in his word, then God's protection is going to be over you. His favor is going to be over you. We can see throughout history that, that this is the case. Yes, there were those evil people who came after Christians. There were these evil governments who persecuted the church. But there were also times of great peace when God's church was was at peace even with their enemies. And Proverbs chapter 6 verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, is there a lot of strife 
in your life, in your home? Is there, a, is there a lot of strife at work with you? It may be because you're not following after that which is good. It may be because you're not seeking to honor Christ, but you're being selfish. Joseph is a great example of this in understanding God's protection even in his suffering. Joseph was a, a young man who sought to love his father. He sought to love his brothers. And he sought to love the Lord his God with all his heart. Joseph was a great example of, us, of what it means to do what is right. Even when others are doing what is wrong. And because he did what was right, he was treated harshly by his brothers. They hated him. They sought to kill him. They sold him into slavery to Egypt. When he got to Egypt and he became a slave there, all he did was seek to do what was right and honorable. And there were those who tried to take advantage of him. There were those who tried, tried to defame him. But God's protection was always over him. Even when his brothers were persecuting him. Even when they sold him into Egypt. Even when, when Potiphar's wife tried to destroy his reputation. God was protecting him. Even in his suffering. Even as he was in prison, God was protecting him. And he realized this. So when God delivered him out of this persecution... And he has the encounter with his brothers. And they're fearful against him that he might show retribution unto them. He says that you meant it for evil. You did what was wrong even though I was doing it right. Even though I was doing what was right. Yet God meant it for good. All that happened to me. God meant it for good. He was always protecting me. He was always with me. And so you and I can trust that even if it is God's will that we suffer for what's doing right, yet we can always rely that he is there with us, protecting us through the suffering. So joy, have joy today that God is protecting you and with you even in your suffering. Number two, let's look at God's joy, God's pleasure in your suffering. So he says, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and... If ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. There is joy. There is great joy when you do what's right. And even, like he said, even if you suffer for doing what's right, for righteousness' sake. He said there is joy still in this because you know that what you have done is pleasing to the Lord. You know what you have done is being obedient to the word of God. And therefore, he says, you're happy even though you're suffering for righteousness sake. You're happy because you know that God is happy with you. Right? God is taking pleasure in you. He is doing something in you through this suffering. And so he says, but and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror. Don't be afraid of what they're trying to do to you. Instead, think about what God is doing in you. And this is an important lesson for us to, 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 to be reminded of this morning. And as we continue to go through this in First Peter. Is that one of the things that Peter is trying to encourage the church with. Is that they should not have their focus upon their suffering 
but rather on the purpose of God in what he's doing in their suffering. And so he says, if you're suffering for doing what's right, happy are you. Blessed. Who would say in here this morning that you say when you're suffering for doing what's right that you're being blessed by God? A lot of times we don't think of it that way. We think of it that when we do what's right and, and, and we have favor and when we're not suffering at all, we would say we're blessed. But we would say when we do have to suffer and experience persecution that we're not being blessed. But Peter is saying that because you're suffering for doing what's right, you are blessed. You're filled with joy. You're filled with peace. Not because you delight in the pain. Not because you delight in what's going on. But you delight in doing the will of God. You delight in pleasing your Heavenly Father. Now he'll go on to talk about this much in much greater detail in chapter 4. And I just want us to look over there. Because these two texts are so closely tied to one another. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says, For as much then as Christ, Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Now, what did it tell us about Christ in his suffering? It says that he endured the cross, right? He endured. He endured suffering. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. But what does it tell us about that? For the joy that was set before him. This is the mindset of Christ, that he was not looking at his suffering and saying, this is everything. He was looking at the joy that was before him of what he would what would be accomplished through his suffering through his pain through his substitutionary death oh the joy that would come to you and I because of what Christ did this was the joy that was set before him and it was also the joy of pleasing his heavenly father and doing everything that he had asked him to do and this also should be your joy Oh, the joy that is set before you if you continue to do what's right, if you faithfully serve him in this day and age, even though you're going to be persecuted for your faith. Oh, the joy that is set before you. And then in verse 12, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as, so some, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice. Have joy. Have delight in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. What, is it, what does it mean to be resolved to the will of God in your suffering? It means that you're going to say, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have joy even when I suffer for doing what's right. Even when I suffer for trying to do what's good. Don't be afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, he said, but instead seek to please Christ. Back in chapter 4, verse 12. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. What is it going to look like and what is it going to mean on the day that you stand before Christ in the new heavens and the new earth? What kind of joy is going to be there when he says to you, Well done, my good and faithful 
servant. When he says, I am pleased with you. Because you did what was right. Even when you were suffering for it. That's what he's saying. Yes, you're suffering now. Yes, it's tough now. Yes, you should have joy now. But also, there's a joy that awaits you. Which Peter says that the sufferings of this life cannot be compared. There is no comparison to the glory that will be revealed in you. The joy that will be revealed in you. Don't you want to stand before Christ with joy and in his glory? If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. How do people see Christ in you in this world? By how you respond to suffering for doing what's right. That's how they see Christ in you. Because you're to respond the same way he responded. Which Peter already spoke of in chapter 2. When he was reviled, he did not revile again. When he was spoken of, evil against, for, do, for just doing what's right, it says that he opened not his mouth. But he submitted himself to him that judges rightly. What about you when you suffer for doing what's right? What about you when you're reviled against? What about you when, when people speak evil against you for doing what's right? How do you respond? We need to respond like Christ. Humble ourselves, be quiet, and be patient. And have joy that he has counted us worthy to suffer for his name's sake. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, that, that's what it means to suffer for what's doing right. Let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God on this behalf. So God takes great delight in you. He takes great joy in you when you continue to do what's right, even in the midst of your suffering. You know, there's a great example of this in the book of Acts. There are several examples of this. But the apostles in the early church, they were following the teachings of Christ, they were evangelizing, preaching the gospel in every place that they could. And because they were doing what was right and being obedient to Christ, they were suffering for it. They were being thrown into prison. They were being beaten. And they were being told, do not continue to do this. Do not continue to preach about Jesus Christ. So in Acts in chapter 5, we see that they have been preaching about Jesus Christ. They've been thrown in prison and they've been let go and they've been told, don't do this again. Or we're going to come after you again. Well, what do they do right after that? They go and do it. They say, we, this, is, this is our calling. This is our joy. This is our delight. This is who we are. So they go and they preach Jesus Christ. And the high priests find out, find out about it again. And they, they, they capture him. They say, Did not, were we not clear in what we told you about this? They said, yeah, you were clear. But our commandment is from God and not from men. Threw him into prison. And then after the advice of Gamaliel, they decide to let him go. But they beat them. And they say to him again, don't do this anymore. Don't continue to preach. 
this message about Jesus Christ and don't continue to live like him. And what does it tell us about them? What was their response to this? Were they sad? Were they depressed? Were they angry? Were they fearful? No, it tells us in Acts chapter 5, verse 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They went away from that rejoicing. We were worthy to suffer for Christ. They were happy about it. And what did they go and do? And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That is your example. That is the example of Jesus Christ. Don't fear men, but rather have reverence toward God. Number three, not only do we see God's protection in your suffering, he's there with you, he's upholding you. And not only do we see his pleasure in your suffering, that it brings him great joy and you great joy when you suffer for doing what's right. But also we see the ultimate purpose of God in our suffering. And that's what Peter goes on to talk to them about in verse 15. So he says, but, if you, but and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But here's the important thing. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. He says God's purpose in your suffering for doing what's right as a believer is that you would be given an opportunity to witness, right? But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer. Because when people see you respond the way that Christ responded to suffering, they're going to ask you, why are you responding this way? Why are you different from everyone else? What is the reason that you're continuing to have joy even though you're suffering? And you'll have an opportunity to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and why you love him, why you're wanting to be like him. He says, so don't try to avoid suffering for doing what's right. Instead, embrace it because this is your opportunity to witness of God's goodness, a witness of God's grace, a witness of God's faithfulness, a witness of God's providence in your life. Every time that you suffer for doing what's right, it's an opportunity for you to witness of the hope that he has placed within you. Why aren't you discouraged? Why aren't you depressed like everyone else? Because I have a hope that this world is not all that there is. That this suffering is only temporary. It's for God's glory now. And there's a day when he will put it to an end. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will take vengeance upon his own elect. And I am waiting patiently for that day. This word sanctify means to set apart. So what you're doing, even in the midst of your suffering, is you are setting apart time for the Lord and being in his presence. You are sanctifying in 
You are setting him apart in your heart so that you are always ready to be able to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you. How are you doing with that when you're suffering for doing what's right? Are you ready? Are you ready to respond with grace, with kindness, in meekness, in gentleness, as he said? This is God's purpose. This is why he goes on to say, it is better for us to suffer. It is the will of God for you to suffer for doing what's right than for doing what is evil. Because God is working in you his good pleasure. He's giving you an opportunity to witness for him. And so sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we try to avoid suffering for doing what's right. Because we are missing out on the opportunity to witness for him. And how many times have you done that? You know that if you do what's right, it's going to bring some kind of trial or persecution. You know it's going to bring some kind of hardship in your life. And so you have avoided it. You have gone the other way. Well, what you've done in that, what I've done in that, is we've missed an opportunity for someone to ask us a reason for our hope. So he's telling them, don't avoid it. Instead, embrace it. Submit to God's will in your life for suffering so that you may be able to share the hope that is within you with meekness and with gentleness. And I want to talk more about this verse another time. Lastly, this morning, not only do we see God's protection in our suffering, God's pleasure in our suffering, and God's purpose in our suffering, But lastly, ultimately, uh, in this passage, as he brings it to a close, we see God's provision in your suffering. What has God given you to be able to endure suffering for doing what's right? Number one, he's given you a good conscience. You know when you do wrong and you know when you do right. Why? Because you have a conscience. God has given you a good conscience. So he says, he goes on to say, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. He has given you a conscience to know that you have done what's right. And even though they're saying what you have done is evil, yet you know what you have done is right. And you know that they are going to be put to shame if you have done what is right. So God has given you a conscience to know what you're doing is right. Because sometimes we question and say, why is this happening? Is it because I'm doing something that's wrong? Well, you know if you're doing wrong. You know if you're suffering for, for doing wrong. Because God has given you a conscience to know this. If you are reading his word, if you are meditating upon this word, if you're spending time with him in prayer, if you're spending time in the church and in communion with him, you're going to know what's right. You're going to know what's wrong. You're going to know when you're suffering for doing what's right. You're going to know when you're suffering for doing what's wrong. Having a good conscience. A conscience that's clean. A conscience that's pure. A mind that is renewed daily by God's word. Having a good conscience. You'll be able to know that even though they're speaking evil of you, that they may be ashamed 
that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For, and here's another thing, not only has he given you a good conscience so that you may be able to endure suffering, but also he has given you a knowledge of his will. A knowledge of his will. For he says, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So you might not like the suffering. You might not like the trial. You might not like the pain. You might not like the conflict. But if you know that it's God's will that you suffer for doing good than for doing evil, then you can accept it. And you can have joy in it. And you can say that, God, if this is your, if this is your will, which the text says that it is, Help me to submit to it. Help me to be faithful. So you have a good conscience. You know the will of God. And then lastly and most importantly, you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your example. There's going to be nothing that he calls you to do that he didn't do for you already. There's nothing people are going to say that they didn't say about him. There's going to be no way that they treat us that they didn't treat him. There's no loss. There's no pain that you're going to experience that he didn't experience in a greater way. He did it for you. He walked in your shoes, in your footsteps, so that as you're walking through it, he knows what it's like. That's what he says, for... Christ also hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Remember, brothers and sisters, God's eyes of favor are over you. His ears are open into your prayers. He's protecting you through the suffering. Remember that that you can have joy if, if you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because God is, is pleased with that. And you want to please your Heavenly Father. Remember that you're supposed to set apart the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer for those that ask you a reason for the hope that you have. And realize He has given you a good conscience. He's given you an understanding of His will. But ultimately... He says, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You can endure suffering. You can have joy in suffering if your eyes are upon Christ and not upon yourself. So that's my prayer. Submit to the will of God in your suffering.